I'm Anita Horgarth. Buck melanoma. Molly Russell's wart. Not her wart. Not her wart. I'm I'm the wart. She's my tumor. My my growth. My uh, my pimple. I'm Uncle Wart. Just old Buck Wart Russell. That's what they call me. Or uh, melanoma head. They'll call me that. Melanoma head's coming. I'm sorry. Uncle. Maisie Russell's uncle. I'm her uncle. <laughs> her, uh, her mother uh, set up this conference with you. I'm assistant principal here, as you've probably noticed from the indications on the door. This door? You the mean, outer door. The outer door? Yes. Because there's nothing on this one. <laughs> That's just about enough of that. Sorry. I've been an educator for 31.3 years, and in that time, I've seen a lot of bad eggs. I say eggs because at the elementary level, we are not dealing with fully developed individuals. I see a bad egg when I look at your niece. She is a twiddler, a dreamer, a silly heart. She is a jabba box. And frankly, I don't think she takes a thing in her life or her career as a student seriously. She's only six. That is not a valid excuse. I hear that every day and I dismiss it. I don't think I want to know a six-year-old who isn't a dreamer or a silly heart. And I sure don't want to know one who takes their student career seriously. I don't have a college degree. I don't even have a job. <laughs> but I know a good kid when I see one. Because they're all good kids. Until dried out, brain-dead skags like you drag them down and convince them they're no good. You so much as scowl at my niece or any other kid in this school and I hear about it and I'm coming looking for you. Take this quarter. Go downtown and have a rap Gnaw that thing off your face. God, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? You think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special Thanksgiving installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 165, Uncle Buck. That's kind of a holiday movie, right? Sure. Is it? I, I guess it's like if Home Alone is a Christmas movie, this is Macaulay Culkin's like precursor. This was the that. year before Home Alone. Yep. This is that special John Hughes era where he had started to transition to family films yet hadn't gotten completely terrible yet this is a bizarre movie really it's a a family film kind of a lot of darker content in it though too well there was always a little bit of a dark edge to 
to some of John Hughes's movies, sure. especially the '80s ones. I agree with that. Yeah, and then it, it started to get more light because he only okay. Well, yeah, go ahead. He only directed one movie after Uncle Buck. Wow, and that movie was Curly Sue, which is fucking terrible. Yeah, I don't like that, that movie. Okay, stars Jim Belushi. Okay. <laughs> I saw it in the theater. I remember it was like the first time I saw a movie in the theater that I didn't like. Because, you wow. know, when you're a kid, yeah, you yeah. like everything. Wow, yeah. That must be bad if you didn't like it in the but theater But, of course, as a kid. John Hughes wrote tons of movies. They're still making John Hughes scripts now. He's been dead for 10 years, and they still are producing his scripts. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I What's mean. What's an example of that? There's one in development now, but this is going back, like, a while. But, I mean, I know, like... He had done a version of like Drill Bit Taylor. He might have still been alive. When oh, that okay. Came out. But they did a redo yeah. on it. Like the, you know, I think like Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg like did a pass gotcha. on that. But okay. like, you know, like they're still around because he yeah. wrote so many scripts, and they, you know, he continued to get them made throughout the '90s and 2000s and stuff, well beyond when he stopped. So this directing. was the second to last movie that he directed. Yeah, he only wow. directed like eight movies or okay. something like that. Yeah. So I think Uncle Buck is a special Thanksgiving movie to me. This might be blasphemy to some people. I hold it in higher regard than Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, which is the traditional okay. John Hughes Thanksgiving movie that everyone yeah. associates with Thanksgiving. John Candy also in that? Yeah, that's John Candy, Steve Martin. Yeah. I so- like that movie. I just I have a lot of nostalgia tied up with Uncle Buck. I didn't see Planes, Trains, and Automobiles until I was much older. This was uh, my first viewing of Uncle Buck. You've never seen it before yeah, this? watching this for the uh, podcast, yeah. Oh, my God. Well, so, you should have um, said something before we even... You know, I'm going to try to stick with it. I, I certainly gave it a, a careful watch, but I, I do feel like it's kind of hard to remember every part of this movie. <laughs> that might be the most shocking moment in the history of this podcast, is you saying you've never seen Uncle Buck. Yeah. You know what else I had never seen? What was the... Until I watched it with you, the... Um, uh, what's well, that's the, a lot of movies. Yeah, but... <laughs> Is John Candy maybe also in it? What is it where they go camping? For oh, the, the Great Outdoors. Yeah, right. Well, that's a. Okay. I could buy not seeing that because it wasn't really as popular. It's not held up as like a classic. Uncle Buck is considered a, massive a classic. Hit? Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty big box office hit, but it's it's one of those ones that got held up as a classic for a long time. Okay. You might just, just you, a big miss by me. You might have been a little too young, and since you don't have like an older sibling. Yeah, it just kind of like wasn't in your wheelhouse. I think yeah, I think I missed. I'm a like basically here. Macaulay Culkin's what? age. This was 1989. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so I, you yeah. were born in 1995. <laughs> I was born in 1987. <laughs> okay, so you were two. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you kind of missed the boat, probably. It just was like a big movie because I have like older cousins and sure. I was, uh, you know, I'm a few years older than you. This was just like one of those movies. It's just like right in that sweet spot that it didn't really fall on my radar. Home Alone was like right around the year after. I mean, it was just like a lot of this kind of stuff, like family friendly movies that like the parents also still kind of like. Right. Got a lot of play around the holidays over at Cousin's House or, or whatever. This was just one of those movies that I think it hit a lot of people in maybe like a a slightly older generation than you but like i think it was just like a big yeah movie for those people people just like used to having like loser uncles well i mean in the last episode you were comparing me to lewin davis i feel very comparable to uncle buck (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, I feel like I am Buck. Okay, wow, yeah. Physique? Uh, yeah. It's wise. The whole package. Yeah, right. <laughs> Everything. Making my whole living off I of will, horse I racing. Say, yeah, when I was watching, <laughs> yes, fixing horse races somehow. <laughs> yeah. Looking at him on screen, and obviously we've always known uh, John Candy to be uh, a bigger human being, but man, it's just like, I don't know. Yeah, it's sad. He, he seems massive in this I movie. think there's also a tinge of sadness. I mean, he would only go on to live for five more years after this. He died in 1994. He's been yeah. gone for 25 years, which is crazy. He wow. was only 43. Yeah, that is, that's a, it's a sad thing. Yeah, and so the ending, the freeze you know. frame, the happy ending, it, it's, it makes you sad because of the reality. Also, it, it that ties in with the movie, too, I think. Right. That he died not that long after this movie and just kind of got tied in with the whole John Candy thing. Kind of a weird guy to just watch on screen, too, because I feel like he emotes like the same way for every emotion. <laughs> <laughs> he did try some more serious roles, but I mean, he's, you know, his you the people you would want to compare him to are your Will Ferrell's, your... Adam Sandler's Jim Carrey, like you, you know, right. comedic actors. Like he's supposed to, all of his roles are like predominantly supposed to be funny. Sure. So this movie, I love it. I think it's a classic. It's kind of an insane movie that's not particularly well written. It's not one of John Hughes's best scripts, really, in terms of a story. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you're almost like, what is it even about? I mean, there's a, there's definitely a general premise there. The, yeah, there's a general premise, and then there's a lot of seemingly only semi-related skits yeah, right. going on yeah. throughout it and they're yes. funny some right. of them are very funny but they're not really tied in with anything and they don't really go anywhere and they feel unfinished and then they just kind of move on to the next thing you want to know what's weird too is then we'll certainly get to the part but i missed part of it the first time i was watching it so i, I watched it a little bit in chunks and i i missed a part of it and it was like when he's taking the kids to like go do this whatever they're going to do, like the big crime, like the horse thing. And he decides... Right, he's not really going to... Yeah, I mean, there's like a little bit of shadiness involved. He's not actually going to do anything. He's just yeah. getting a tip, and then he's going to bet on okay, the race. Okay, all right, whatever. I'm thinking something's going to happen, and I, I missed that like section, and then it's like smash cut to him going to the party. Right. The Bug and Tia incident. Yes. So I, I go back to watch it, because I'm thinking in my mind that I missed this whole part. And then I realize that they just don't even go to the racetrack. Well, yeah, that's kind of a big moment in the sense that he's making the mature decision right. for the first time in his life. He's not being selfish about getting this money. He's going to do the right thing, which, of course, means a lot to Shanice. But even the, the thing with the kind of kooky neighbor lady, I feel Lori like Metcalf, it, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't feel like that all really pays off. I know they address it, but... A lot of the things don't really, they just kind of happen. Peter out. Yeah. Yeah. It almost feels like Hughes came up with like a premise and a loose script, and then they like came up with like funny sketches for John Candy to do. Sure. And like I said, some of them are very funny. Like him going to see the assistant principal with the mole on I her enjoy face that scene. Yeah. Is iconic. It that's seems like, cruel. It's but a yeah. super. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you could do that now. But yeah, yeah. That's like the most well known part of the movie. That's like a famous, funny thing that kind of was like the big part of the movie or whatever. Anyway. This movie had a fifteen million dollar budget, made seventy nine point two million, which wow, yeah, eighty nine was That's pretty a good, healthy uh, profit. Yeah. At this point, John Hughes was something of a known commodity, though. I mean, sure. he had had all of the teen movies. That's right. Throughout the eighties, he was putting butts in seats. He just would like he was pounding out these scripts, like he would write them so fast. And this one, I mean, I'm not being superly critical, but this one it kind of shows. I mean, like we said, 
it doesn't feel like a lot of the things really tie together that well. But there's so much there to grab onto that you can see why it's kind of endured as sort of like a family classic. Yeah. I got to tell you, though, I I was getting a lot of weird vibes between Buck and Tia. (laughs) Oh, man. You had to go at a creepy place. I normally don't. I know this is normally your territory, but like... (laughs) There's even there's a part where like she waits at the bottom of the steps and looks back at him and they share this like weird gaze. That's yeah, I mean very early. Yeah, in him being there. Yeah, I, 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 I actually to noticed that strange. too. I was, I was like, like that is, is a that weird about? look. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, we can move on from that. Yeah, but yeah. I know. Oh god, it just plays a little odd. I I wasn't I was like, what is going there's on? A little here? bit too much sexual tension. Yeah, it's like on. okay. <laughs> oh Christ! As I mentioned. John Hughes gone now 10 years, which is crazy. He was only like, I don't know, 59 or something. He was pretty young as well. Hard years, you know, pumping out those scripts. This was his transition to family films. I mean, he was mostly a writer throughout his career. As I mentioned, only directed eight total. Uncle Buck opened to mixed reviews. As I mentioned, though, I think there's a lot of nostalgia tied into it. It's sort of become like a family holiday classic, even though it's not really directly associated with a holiday it's just the winter yeah the film though i think is greater than the sum of its parts and thus i do understand where some of those negative reviews were coming from it kind of reminds me of scrooged in that sense a movie we did on this podcast which when we really broke scrooge down you're like it's not as great as you think it is it's just it's kind of carried uh, by murray's charisma and then the ending is very emotional true but, like, a lot of the characters are barely in it, and, you know, it rushes through a lot of stuff, and then the relationship with Karen Allen doesn't make any sense. All right. Yeah. But, like, at the end of the movie, you're, like, you're crying. You're, like, this is so good. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> yeah, you kind of just buy in by the end. It's, Uncle Buck is kind of similar, except more in, like, the comedic sense. Like, you're buying in just because Candy's got all this charisma. Yeah, he's bringing he's being the laughs. Funny. That's right. And, of course, like, Macaulay Culkin and Gabby Hoffman, it's just, like, cuteness overload wow i didn't realize that was gabby hoffman They're just that makes making sense. faces yeah. the whole wow. time just okay. being adorable Cuteness. and you're just like yeah. okay i get it right. like We're he'll do fun. something yeah. weird and then like gabby hoffman and macaulay culkin will make a face and you're like i love it i'm in <laughs> i do feel like live action family dynamic movies was just such a bigger thing oh yeah during this sure. time period yeah they were like pumping those like major motion pictures in a way that you can't even imagine these types of movies being made now. They try to, they, I mean, I, I'm not going to like try to come up with examples, but they do try movies and it's just like, you know, that one with like Mark Wahlberg uh, and Rose Byrne. It was oh, like sure. almost family. Yeah. It's like, not that that was good. I don't know. I didn't see it, so I'm not going to shit on it. But like, I'm not saying that that's as good as Uncle Buck, but like nobody was interested. It's just like that's nobody true. goes yeah. to this stuff. It just doesn't draw, you know? Yeah, I don't get it. All the kids now are just watching YouTube videos. Yeah. Anyway, follow the show on Twitter <laughs> at Greatest Pod. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Let's get into it. This counts as a Friday bonus, by the way. This oh, wow. is a Thanksgiving bonus. What day is this being released on? Thanksgiving, which okay, is Thursday. So, all right, so a Thursday bonus. What day did you think Thanksgiving was this no, year? No, well, I mean, Not when you said it was thir- a Friday bonus, I'm like, oh, it must be it's coming out on Black Friday. No, no, this is like just a bonus episode, but we're doing it on Thanksgiving instead of the Friday bonuses that we started, you know, a couple months ago. Yeah, I just want to make sure everybody gets it, you know. I want to make sure you get it. Yeah, yeah. What's It's YouTube? important, right. 
John Candy stars as Buck Russell. As I mentioned, I just I can remember what, hearing when he died. I mean, the fact that it's 25 years is just unbelievable. I can remember watching like Spaceballs for like the first time, and my dad's just like, "Yeah, that guy's dead." <laughs> you didn't watch Spaceballs till after '94. Uh-uh. I don't wow. think I saw it until like probably like '97. Fellow Canadian Ryan Reynolds put together. I don't know if he was the one that put it together, but he's the one that got it traction and got it like going viral some tribute video of john candy just like kind of a highlight reel of him from movies and stuff and i know john candy's kids really appreciated it and they were tweeting it out as well this is yeah. back on the anniversary of his death like earlier in the year i mean i was watching it and crying <laughs> it was like so good <laughs> i was like i love john candy he was in like a lot of great yeah, he stuff is great. he seemed like a great guy just the fact that he was 43 not that much older than me. <laughs> just like a complete inability to like have any range, but like I love it. Like he just always is John Candy, right? I mean, well, I think he that bothered him that perception of him because then he he was in that movie Only the Lonely, where he's kind of more of like a romantic lead. Okay, how did that play? I I don't know. I never saw it. I know me people neither. like it. Okay, well that's good. I he, I think he wanted to try to it, later in his career to try other things. I think it's okay it, though. He wasn't always getting those kind of offers though. I don't mean it as a dig. I mean he's just like a bigger than life guy, you know. He's his John part Candy in Home Alone when we I know we did oh, Home Alone true. on the show yeah. is completely improvised. It's hilarious him telling the story of leaving the kid at the funeral home. It's right. one of the funniest things ever. Just a legend. We have Jean Louisa Kelly as Tia Russell. She was on a show called Yes, Dear, that Mike O'Malley was on. Oh, it ran yeah, for right. like, okay. I don't know, eight years or something. It was on forever. I knew she seemed familiar There was to a me. weird moment in my life in college where Yes, Dear was on at like three o'clock for like an hour every day, and yeah. I know we watched it all the time, I spent and some it's time. terrible. No, I spent some time watching Yes, Dear. It's a uh, terrible show, well. yet I've watched pr- probably most of the episodes of it at yeah, one point. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah, I mean, she was definitely like a babe even back then. I mean, she was obviously a lot younger. I think, you know, it's similar <laughs> I think to the back whole... then when Yesteryear was on. Oh, well, she was then too. Yeah, but yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of similar to how we had to feel about the Kara character in the Wonder Years when okay. we did that. It's like, yeah. obviously, it sounds creepy now, but I mean, we grew, I grew up, you didn't see Uncle Buck, so you don't have that sure. same feeling. Yeah. I mean, I'm like... not saying Tia was hot in this movie, no. <laughs> When you say it like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just saying, this was somebody that, one of those early crushes for me back seeing this movie when I was a wee lad. Right. Yeah, but I mean, you were obviously like, what, you know seven? What? She's always been older than me. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Macaulay Culkin plays Miles, the little brother. This is- If anything, you know, it was inappropriate of her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's the creepy one. <laughs> For you making so me be in love younger. with her. <laughs> Macaulay Culkin plays Miles. This is a precursor to Home Alone. I think John Hughes wanted to cast Macaulay Culkin, I believe. Yeah, they were like, I think we got a winner here. Chris Columbus, who directed Home Alone, was like not wanting to do it because he felt like it was going to be too similar or whatever. But then he just gave in because Macaulay was like so good. And there are scenes in this movie that are basically just recreated in Home Alone. Right. I don't know if this is what happened, but it's almost like John Hughes saw Macaulay Culkin in this movie and was like, I need to write a movie that gets him like, because that scene where he's washing the dishes and then answering the phone. 
Right. Where it's like I have to do everything. And then obviously with the mail slot on the door, yeah. which they basically recreate True. almost exactly at Home Alone. Yeah. Gabby Hoffman plays the the little sister Maisie. Amy Madigan plays Shanice. They would also star together in Field of Dreams. Oh, that's when true. Amy Madigan would play her mom, and that was the same year. Yeah. <laughs> Nineteen eighty nine. I don't know. I am Madigan gonna... married to Kevin Costner and also dating John Candy in the same year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh I, I like Amy Madigan. Was, Who doesn't? I'm in on her. Yeah. Elaine Bronca and Garrett M. Brown are Cindy and Bob Russell, Lori Metcalf as the neighbor, Mari Dahlgren Frost with the hyphen. Okay. The IMDb synopsis, I'll just read through that for people who aren't super familiar. Bachelor and all-around slob, Buck. I don't know how he's all-around slob. He didn't seem like that much of a slob. Yeah, that's true. Because uh, he's fat? I think he's just sort of off-putting. <laughs> Bachelor and all-around slob, Buck, babysits his brother's rebellious teenage daughter and her cute younger brother and sister. That's okay. the synopsis wow. on IMDb. Yeah. A big focus on, like, Tia's rebellion i guess well that i think that is what they're trying to push is the plot like tia is basically the second lead yeah to buck right obviously so that's what the main story is if they focused more on tia being a total bitch to her parents in terms of buck knowing about that then the movie would make a lot more sense right but that's not really there until the end, when it's just like, Buck's like, we need to give them a moment to hug. And he's yeah, like, right. how does he even know about this? <laughs> like, what, this doesn't I, I even make sense. even that the situation was that bad with Tia with the parents. I don't know. I've rewatched it twice. I was kind of more blown away every time at, like, the shit that she says to her okay. mom. Maybe is, I like, just wasn't really picking insane. up on that then, yeah. <laughs> well, she basically tells her mom, like, that she caused her dad to have, like, you know, her mom's dad to have the heart attack oh, right. by moving well, away. Yeah. Because there's so much to anger. Be fair, though. I mean, imagine being angry. That's because right. You moved okay, that's from what Indianapolis I was thinking. Yeah, to Chicago. Right. I've been oh. to Indi- Indianapolis, folks. It's not great. <laughs> it does seem like Chicago <laughs> is the more desirable location of the two. Even though a lot of John Hughes's movies take place in Chicago and in Illinois and everything, the movie was actually supposed to take place in St. Louis, and they were going to film it in St. Louis, and. It was an unseasonably warm winter in St. Louis, and it just didn't really look like the winter at all. And so they moved it to Chicago. Yeah, most Kinda of last the minute. John Hughes movies take place in, like, what is it, Shermwood, Illinois or something? It's Shermer. Shermer, Illinois. Yeah, it's which a is fictional town, right? Yeah. But yeah, it's like a, supposed to be like a suburb. But that's what I was trying to like pick up on this one, if they mentioned that that's where they are, but they don't in this movie, right? No, I don't really think this is supposed to be in the extended... Part of the- Hughes gotcha. universe. The right. universe. <laughs> the Hughes-niverse. Yeah. Where do you live? In the city. Do you have a house? Apartment. On a rent? Rent. What do you do for a living? Lots of things. Where's your office? I don't have one. How come? I don't need one. Where's your wife? Don't have one. How come? It's a long story. Do you have kids? No, I don't. How come? It's an even longer story. Are you my dad's brother? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? 38. I'm your dad's brother, all right. You have much more hair on your nose than my dad. How nice of you to notice. The movie picks up. On what seems to be a typical afternoon after school, Tia, who seems very fond of wearing hats. Listen, I want to say something about this high school. I am all in on like the 80s the dress. Yeah, yeah. I, I love it. One thing jumped out to me, though. Way too many like berets. Well, Those hats? I, I was like, I don't think there was this many berets going A lot of on, people right? wearing hats at this high school. Okay. It's no surprise that the first choice for Tia was Winona Ryder, and she was... Oh, yeah. 
preoccupied filming Heather's, which there's some definite fashion crossover between oh, sure. the two. Yeah. With like the high school kids that we see. Now, Hughes had worked with Candy before and I think would again. Obviously, Hughes was producing and, and wrote Home Alone, and then he had done Planes, Trains, and Automobiles before this with Candy. But John Candy does not seem like he was the first choice for Uncle Buck, according to IMDb. Literally every person you could imagine apparently oh, wow. was in consideration really? for this at some point. Not necessarily just comedic actors. Like, I think Jack Nicholson was listed. I don't really know <laughs> oh, how boy. serious or true all of this was, but I was like, how many people were they considering for this? It seems like this was written for John Candy. Yeah. It just seems like who else would do this? This feels like it was a John Candy vehicle. Like, the yeah, that's, that's what I mean. Was, right. Like, it, it just feels like the like elevator pitch for this movie is just like, John Candy is a crazy uncle. And they're like, okay, we got it. Yeah. And it seems like if you couldn't get candy you would go for like someone in that comedic realm sure because i saw like maybe like chevy chase or okay that a few I other see. people yeah. i can't even remember all of them but like i remember jack nicholson was one i was like what <laughs> that would have been insane i saw one that said tom cruise and i was like tom cruise would have been like 25 <laughs> like what are you talking I, about I mean, not even like he would have been like I mean, 20 or yeah, something tom cruise in his 20s is like a kooky character i mean maybe yeah it would have felt like a completely 40s, different yeah. movie yeah, it's, Tom Cruise today, it would still seem insane. Yeah. <laughs> you well, could Tom buy Cruise, Tia as his love interest. Uh, yeah, I know. Tom Cruise <laughs> looks younger right now than he did in his 20s. So. <laughs> oh, God. Your little comment about <laughs> the new Top Gun really makes me laugh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Tia's like semi-babysitting Miles and Maisie, the two younger ones. She's very angsty. The big cause of her anger is the move from Indianapolis to Chicago. Yeah. Now, moving in high school does suck. I can speak from yes, experience. for sure. Yeah. It's hard to tell exactly how long ago the move took place, but it seems like probably a year or so. Yeah. They seem somewhat settled in. It's not like they're still unpacking. Right. And I will say, I mean, Tia's getting some attention at school, you know. Why wouldn't she? Right. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, there's a dude Is this named- episode going to come off as too creepy? Uh, probably, but, you know. <laughs> So, but I mean, there's a dude named Bug. Sure. Well, okay. we'll get to Bug. Okay. She's lost all respect for her parents, though, and this is illustrated by this bizarre line of dialogue that just really stuck out to me, and it's like almost like Hughes was like making some kind of a statement okay. here in the middle Lay of this movie. Me. Maisie says something to the effect of, I don't know why we need boys at all. They're so loud. And Tia says, we need boys so they can grow up, get married, and turn into shadows. And it just wow. kind of hangs there. And you're like, <laughs> whoa, where is this? Yeah, that feels out of place. It seems like obviously a shot at her dad. Sure. So I, I'm guessing the implication is because she's so hostile to her mom that she is blaming her mom for this move. I think that's so. That's never really explained or explored, but I'm guessing that's what this means. Because what else could this line possibly mean in this movie? It's such a deep a whoa kind of a yeah, line well, that like, never really gets addressed later. Why does she have this negative attitude towards males? I guess she thinks her dad is like a pushover and this is her mom's fault for okay. moving, I guess. Gotcha. Because she is such a fucking cunt to her mom. That's true. I mean, it is like insane, the shit that she says to it, her. Yeah, it feels uh, undeserved. I don't... Well, she's just pissed. She's got yeah. all that teen angst. Mom seems nice, though. Later at dinner with the family, Tia is not done. She's... Such a bitch to her mom. <laughs> she's taking shots left well, and right. It, it like. gets real tense. She's like, 
they're eating takeout Chinese food, and she's like, "Gee, mom, how did you ever have the time to prepare this dinner?" And <laughs> just okay, like wow. saying shit like that. Yeah, I guess and, I wasn't really picking up on this much hostility, but the way you explain it, I'm like, okay, yeah. Oh yeah, it's pretty brutal. Okay, you're right. And the worst part is after the call about the heart attack, which is coming up. Yes, in a minute. that I remember. But the dad. Bob, he just kind of life is just passing acts like by. it's not happening because yeah. he can't deal with how much rage there is between the <laughs> two of them. He doesn't know what, he's in over his head. Yeah, I mean, I've heard that's the thing, you know, with daughters, sometimes they get that real intense period with the mom and it gets like real rough. I don't know. Yeah. I have two sisters. It didn't really seem to happen as far as I know. But then again, not right. like I ever paid attention to anything that didn't well, involve most me. Most of the rage was coming from you. <laughs> Everyone was like, we have to keep them calm yeah. at like all times. <laughs> we are at a bar downtown. Love this. The Love bar this is bar like, scene. It, the place where Buck lives in 1989 might have been considered like a rough and tumble area. Now he's basically a block from Wrigley Field. It oh, would I know. be like, yeah. you know, an insane apartment. <laughs> <laughs> I think it still exists, though, the building. And I think the house still exists and everything. I saw something online about you can still go see the house and see the apartment and everything from the outside, at least. Yeah, and this whole, like, I mean, what's Amy Madigan's name? Shanice? Yeah. This whole conversation that they're having in the bar, whew, boy, can I relate. Buck and Shanice, Buck reluctantly is going to start working a new job at Shanice's auto body tire shop place. Which I do enjoy that. I love Shanice having sort of a more, I guess, what you would associate with being like a masculine occupation. Well, she has. She has a real job, and she seems to have, like, done okay. I mean, she owns a business. Buck, meanwhile, is kind of floating through life, yet they have had an eight-year relationship, and Shanice just wants to get married at this point, and Buck is still fighting it. Right. He's making a lot of good (laughs) arguments. He's like, I like being able to just play golf whenever I want, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Buck is in that <laughs> yeah. weird situation, though, where he doesn't really want to fall in line, yet he doesn't actually want to lose Shanice, though. Sure. So that's always the thing. Hard to give up. <laughs> I think Shanice is a prize. Yeah. Yeah, I like whenever they're talking about their nicknames for her body oh, parts right. later. Which also seems sort of... I mean, even like the... It does feel a little overly risque when he's like, right. Felix is the name for you, and it cuts to a cat screeching. That is... I, I I was kind of shocked that that was yeah movie. it was a little wild for like a PG movie where yeah. there's not a lot I mean yeah there's an implication with Bug and Tia but like they never say anything too graphic and you're like if anything that's like a morality thing yeah it just seems like a little sexually suggestive for like a movie suggestive for kids. <laughs> yeah. I mean I feel like they're just coming out just and- outright yeah <laughs> hey Shanice your pussy is named Felix. <laughs> insert cat sound effect so Shanice is like really harping on it. it's like are you sure you're gonna show up and he's like I'm definitely showing up of course famous last words yeah, yeah right I don't no know there's a couple there. like interesting moments in this that I uh, associate I guess with John Hughes and John Hughes touches and this late night phone call scene is kind of one of them because pre-phone call everyone's sleeping and there's that heartbeat sound yeah and then the sudden stop and it's Tia and not her mom who wakes up before the phone rings, as if there's like a premonition, yeah. which I thought was an interesting little. I don't know what touch. that's supposed to mean. I don't know. I mean, I guess you could say like there's just a more of a familial connection between everybody than they're letting on, and gotcha. she's more yeah. dialed in with the family than she wants to admit. Okay, I can get into this. 
Yeah, I, I'm not sure what Hughes was going for, but it definitely feels like an interesting choice to do it like that. Yeah. The phone call brings news back from Indianapolis. Cindy's father has had a heart attack. He's in critical condition. Now, I thought... Um, but not dead. The parents looked a little sweaty here when they wake up to take the phone call. What do you mean? I don't know. I was like, was something going on there? Like Sex? Yeah. I- I'm thinking it's a possibility. What would be wrong with that? Nothing. I mean, just a loving... Isn't it funny uh, how old the parents look? Yet I know. They're probably that is like crazy. my age. <laughs> I-, I was thinking about that. Like Her mom... They- just because of the way now. her hairstyle is and yeah. everything, you're like, she looks like she's a million years old, yet she's probably younger than me, yeah. like, right now. <laughs> I, mean, I was thinking, like, if they remade this now, like, the dad would be, like, The Rock. Uh, <laughs> the mom would be Alexandra Daddario. <laughs> yeah, that old she, couple again. She goes from playing his daughter, which is insane, yeah. in San Andreas. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah, <laughs> the Rock is Samoan. I don't understand how Alexander Daddario is his daughter. Yeah, it's crazy. but whatever. Right? Yeah, they go. F- he- she goes from playing his daughter to his wife. <laughs> I love it. Cindy and Bob are leaving right away to be there by Cindy's father's side. Tia never wanted to miss an opportunity to be a giant cunt and make it all about her. Accuses her mother of abandoning her father and causing the heart attack in a pretty fucking brutal scene. Yes. Obviously, Cindy knows that Tia is mad, and nothing that Tia says really matters. It's not like Tia actually. It's not like Tia can just say that and decide that that's true. I mean, it's just like whatever. But you know, it's such an emotionally vulnerable moment. Like you find out your dad just had a heart attack. You know that like there's been a you lot found of turmoil. Out your dad just had a heart attack, and then you also found out that your daughter is like a gigantic bitch. <laughs> I think she already knew. <laughs> Everyone's just, like, scared of her. Oh, true. Up against the wall and with few options, Bob suggests his brother Buck can watch the kids. Cindy objects. And this is when we find out that Cindy has a lot of reservations about Buck. She's actually kind of, like, we don't really get She's polite about a lot it, of I backstory. Feel like, yeah. Is she? I don't, well, I... She's, like, the people he hangs around with. He smokes. He drinks. He can't, we, she doesn't want him. And so well, they're she's like, nice well, to him, though. Kind of. Well, it's nice that she can. I yeah, mean, yeah. How fucking funny is that scene where he's talking about the plunger? <laughs> just out of the blue, and you're just like, what the fuck? Like, well, you guys probably have better plumbing. So. <laughs> That's an unbelievable, unbelievable scene. I don't even know how she's keeping a straight face. Because she's just keeping like a just completely dead straight face yeah, yeah. during all of that. While I'm thinking of these things... Uh... For the morning, you know, my plumbing is just so bad. Well, of course, yours is a good plumbing here, right? Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, just don't worry about it. You know, everything will be fine. Just been bound up lately. It's 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 driving me crazy. I've been eating a lot of cheese for some reason. I don't know what it is. I got a craving for this stuff. I think maybe that's an allergy or something. Yeah. I don't know. I can't get enough cheese. I feel like a big mouse. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who that actress is. I mean, I said her name at the beginning, but I don't really know her from anything. I, yeah, I, I think they originally wanted it. Rick Moranis for the dad. Okay, but he didn't want to do it. This is a Rick Moranis type. Well, he's barely in it. Yeah, though. he's right. Really say anything. He doesn't have any funny lines. If you get somebody like that, maybe you change it a little bit. Okay. So they try a bunch of neighbors. No one's available. They kind of have no choice, especially at this late notice. Like they're basically running off in the middle of the night. So they do call Buck. I mean, Buck is living in a single-bedroom apartment. Obviously, Shanice is not even sleeping there. Yeah. She won't let him stay at her place. 
Yeah, it's weird that she's so worried about whether or not he's going to show up for work in the morning. It's not some weird 80s morality thing like, oh, they're not married so they don't have sex because they talk about her fucking tits and pussy and everything later. But she's like, oh, well, I guess I'll just go back to my apartment and he'll show up or whatever. And then he gets this call in the middle of the night. But yeah, I mean, you don't really know this at first, but he basically makes his whole living from betting on horse races they're trying to really portray him to be a loser as much as they can in like a PG sense. Like they're not going like over the top with it. Yeah. But I mean, he I seems mean, like a pretty good guy. Yeah. I think we he's get just the kind of that... like, he's living an alternative right. lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's not worried about impressing people. He's like Lewin Davis. If Lewin Davis weighed 350 pounds and didn't and even like attempt to play a guitar. Play guitar. Yeah. <laughs> I do like when they call Buck and that's funny you know the whole clearing of the throat and then him not even recognizing who his brother is at first (laughs) yeah but but he's you know he's family and he's willing to do it like he's not really put out by the call yep i'll be there i like when he's heading over and he's like i think tia must be about what nine ten and the other two and he doesn't know their names (laughs) i mean it's just a real rough moment there you get it he's like he just calls them the new ones the new (laughs) ones they must be larry and Betsy. <laughs> Hello. Shanice? Honey? Honey, I have some bad news. Let me guess. You are not coming into work in the morning. Just let. Get, no, but you don't. Would you just. Bye. Oh boy, those kids. I haven't seen those kids in a while. Tia's gotta be nine. Nine, maybe ten. Oh boy. The two new ones, they're uh Larry and uh Larry and uh, uh Betsy. Betsy uh Jennifer. Jennifer. Larry and Jennifer. Nice kids. He shows up at the wrong house. He's banging on the door in the middle. Although even I was like, that looks like the house. Yeah, it was a reasonable mistake. Yeah, close enough. You know how these cookie cutter developments are. So then he's inside the house. Finally, you know, he's kind of this huge force of nature coming in and Cindy is offering to leave him blank checks to cover any expenses that come up and he's at first like trying to play that off like he doesn't need it and then he's like do you think i can cash like an out-of-state paycheck or whatever (laughs) he's like i just haven't had any time to do my banking (laughs) and he's like you know what leave the checks just for emergencies i'll pay you back (laughs) and that's when he asks about the plunger it is weird because it is like what charade is he trying to play here because she's just offering the checks like there is nothing and he's like i mean i guess he has like a little bit of pride he wants to be the big man and uh, don't worry about it i got, I got this it i got it thing. I got but you know he knows that he really can't no do money that. <laughs> do you think they'll let me cash an out-of-state check <laughs> i don't even know what exactly know. he says but it's yeah yeah the next morning tia aloof at breakfast i love this i love this whole sequence because she gets the coffee 
and starts drinking it at the table. And like any time that she's like not facing him and like takes a sip, she's like grimacing. Like, she, you know, she doesn't really drink coffee. And he's like asking her, does your mom know you drink coffee? And she's like, I'm not doing it to impress you. And he's like, well, I didn't say that or whatever. But like every time she's actually drinking it, she's like, you know, because she didn't put anything in it. I mean, she's just drinking straight black coffee. She's That's like, true, yeah. in the movie, tea is supposed to be 15. Right. <laughs> Although I, I can remember being like a freshman in high school and there was a Dunkin' Donuts really close to my high school and definitely like a bunch of the girls would go like get coffee before school which at that time in ninth grade seemed like nuts to me yeah I mean it's probably gotten more and more common as I mean we're talking like what 30 years ago yeah it's probably less common then and especially I mean you're talking about probably cream sugar sure milk it's probably like Dunkachinos Right, and yeah, you yeah. can get all kinds of stuff. I mean, she just gets the coffee right off the pot. She doesn't really know what she's doing, obviously, and she just starts drinking it. <laughs> but she's not really saying much, and that's going to be the whole tension of the movie, basically. I guess so. I guess this is our whole conflict, right? Yeah, it's basically them butting heads, her living her life in a way that he knows is not going to work out great. And so he's you know, trying to help her see that that she's see the light like there's better options out there she's in kind of a predatory thing i I think the implication is that bug is supposed to be older okay right because she's i think so i mean they're saying she's supposed to be 15 i'm thinking he's supposed to be like probably like a senior or something yeah i think that's probably right Maisie and miles though i mean they hit it off pretty much right away sure with uncle buck well he's definitely a fun uncle (laughs) not a funny uncle but a fun uncle. That's true, yeah. <laughs> Hitting it off with UB, as they start calling him. <laughs> One of the things that it's kind of recurring throughout the movie is Buck drives this dilapidated 1977 Mercury Marquee Brogum Coupe that pours smoke yeah. and backfires <laughs> every time. Which, by the way, that is something that jumps out during this movie. Is not just the backfire sound effects. Some of the sound effects are like so loud in this movie <laughs> like it's just so much louder than everything else and certainly the the backfire in this car and it also just is like man i've definitely driven some cars in my life that have had some problems i just can't imagine how these cars would keep running like this in such they bad just built shape. differently yeah the older cars i mean yeah they got they like all messed forever. up but yeah they could just keep going yeah this of course humiliates tia when he insists on picking her up and dropping her off at school <laughs> yeah I'd be like, can't you drop me off like down the street? A lot of hats in that crowd waiting outside. Definitely. A lot, a lot of hats. hats. Yeah. Too many berets as noted Not before. Not just berets, like all types. I agree. Yeah. All types of hats. <laughs> it was a very hat-centric high right, school. Right. And it's also like the like the hats are like elevated a little bit because everyone's got like feathered hair. Yeah. Like a lot you know? of uh, hairspray That's poofiness right. going on. During the day when everyone's at school, Buck is kind of just hanging around the house and he pulls out that wedding photo album. He's going through this, it. This actually made me laugh out loud That's while I was sitting by myself. Real spiteful. So yeah. there's a wedding photo. It's Cindy and Bob, and I, I, I who I guess is one of their dads is yeah, the, in right. the picture. And then it's folded in a certain way, and he takes the photo out of the thing, and he unfolds it, and he's been cropped out of the photo by, <laughs> by folding. folding. <laughs> yeah. And clearly, the photo, like if you look closely at the slot that that photo was in, the slot is big enough for how big the photo was. So the photo <laughs> folded is actually too small. They actually just folded him out of it at almost a disadvantage. You have to have a real deep hatred what? or annoyance towards someone. 
when he first shows up at the house, he apologizes for burning the bushes or something. I don't know, some stupid joke that's kind of a throwaway. You're like, what even happened that he's talking about? Sure. But, like, what do you think Buck could have done or said that makes Cindy hate him so much? Well, here's the thing. Uh, Something... And is Bob a bad brother for letting this get like this between his wife and his brother? Okay, two-part question. I think (laughs) that Buck maybe got a little out of control at the wedding. I think that this potentially was a scene there. Which fits in with, like, the whole... Not that you would remember this part of The Great Outdoors, but there's the whole reference to the wedding that Dan Aykroyd makes up to guilt him into giving (laughs) him that money at the end. True. About Um, what happened at a wedding. Now, if you're Bob, I I just think that it's a battle you can't win. I I just think... By the way, I think John Hughes wrote The Great Outdoors. Yeah, that's But we'll circle back to that later. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see if we can look it up. I I just think if you're Bob, you're just in a bad spot. I mean, what are you supposed to do? Your wife hates your brother. I mean, Well, plus you know that... Buck is a ticking time bomb. You never know when something's going to just go off. Yeah, I mean, you love your brother, but you know that probably most of her complaints are true. He does smoke cigars. Yeah, it was written by John Hughes. Just confirmed. Okay. (laughs) So you didn't even have to wait that long for us to check on it. Okay. Yeah, I think it probably started before. It's like Hellraiser. (laughs) (laughs) Buck is Frank. (laughs) He's, thro- he's he's throwing Cindy onto her wedding dress and cutting her clothes off with a switchblade. Nude, sitting her. on an attic floor with <laughs> candles all around him. Yeah, there's a lot of Hellraiser crossover with Uncle Buck. That's right. <laughs> no, I just, I think it probably started before the wedding, and you're right. I'm sure that escalated, and then just a general disapproval of his lifestyle i mean everything she lists in that moment when bob first suggests him. well i think there's always like a little bit of jealousy there i think that like it's really important to some people to like get married and have a family but then they start like looking on the other side of the fence and they see a guy like buck just doing whatever he wants having a time and it's like it's hard not to be a little jealous of buck set references that yeah later but he's reached he's very aware where he, people aren't saying that anymore. Oh, well, that's true. Yeah. I think he's supposed to be about, like, 40. So I got, like, four more So at a years. certain point, it just becomes sad. Uh, well, I feel like I'm already at the sadness, but, you know, seeing this movie, I'm like, all right, well, I got, like, four <laughs> more years until I'm Uncle Buck. That's right. Sad. <laughs> I think that's true, yeah. I have, like, a bowling ball in my closet that just, like, falls on my head when I try to take you out my suitcase. You have a custom suitcase. personalized bowling ball. <laughs> oh, man, I can't wait to talk about that bowling ball yeah. scene. When he goes to pick up Tia, this is when we first meet Bug, who's sucking on her face and like walks over to the car. Buck, of course, recognizes who Bug is right away. Yeah, douche. He's like an older dude. He recognizes that Tia's got like kind of a chip on her shoulder. I think he even uses that expression exactly. And that's the type of girl that was easy prey. And she's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, I was that guy. Yeah. <laughs> you look like you ate that guy. <laughs> Oh, come on. Making fat jokes at someone who died? Yeah, well, How could you even? Everyone dies. If we couldn't make jokes about anything. (laughs) Call me. You ever hear of a tuna? (laughs) (laughs) You ever hear of a ritual killing? (laughs) I don't get it. You know on her face in public like that again, and you'll be one. (laughs) Are you crazy? I can be. 
You could have taken his head off. Yeah, but what do you notice? Can we get something straight? The guy's a predator and you're his prey. Oh, really? You bet. And how do you know? When I was his age, I was the guy zooming the girls like you. Pretty face, big chip on your shoulder. I recommend that you stay out of my personal life. Do your parents stay out of your personal life? They don't know my personal life. Have they met Twiddledink? His name is Bug. <laughs> First or last? First. What's his last name, Spray? <laughs> you should talk, Buck. Marcy, the next door neighbor, lets herself in looking for Cindy. She's played by Laurie Metcalf, obviously. And yeah, Jackie young from Laurie Metcalf. Yeah, looking pretty good. I think so. There's a funny misunderstanding when Buck is like banging around the washing machine. Yeah, this is the type a lot of, of like, silly things. Yeah, that like I don't really see these jokes in movies these days either. And not even just for like the sexual. The funny part to me is when she's talking about her name and she's like, I kept the frost and I get compliments on the hyphen. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, of course you would. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Buck and Tia are fighting about everything, about him picking her up from school, about him not letting her go out, especially on school nights, about her him trying to keep her away from Bug. True. She wants to go out on some date. He's taking the kids bowling. He makes her go under the threat of shaving her head oh, while yeah. she's asleep. Kind of an odd thing to say. <laughs> it is. But how great uh, is the bowling does, alley, though? It looks awesome. And I will say, the threat works. Yeah, well, come on. Okay. I don't think you need to look at this as like seriously as, say, the last movie we did on the show, Inside Lewin Davis. It's okay. not like we're I gotcha. really breaking it down Sorry. like a Coen yes. Brothers. It's supposed to just be a goofy comedy. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. She, get, she makes a face. It's right. supposed to be like a comedic, like, ah. like, oh yeah, he's really gonna shake. <laughs> yeah, her like head. insert another loud sound effect. I mean, you know, he sells it. I mean, they don't really know him all that well. Not that he really would shave her head, but like, sure. you know, they don't really know him, and he does seem like a loser. And he's obviously, a wild card. They're aware that the he's mom doesn't cannon. really like him. Yeah. So who knows? The bowling alley is great. I love it. You know, just places like that that look like that. I know. I actually anymore. love like. The quick exterior shots whenever they're oh, in like, yeah, I know. the towns and we talked yeah, about it like these parts of Chicago. So many of like the eighties movies that stuff I think I tried to explain it in Fabulous Baker Boys is like oh, stuff yeah. that was already old right. in the eighties. Yeah. Before everything had been replaced. Cause now it's like most of these places don't exist at all. Sure. But in the eighties those places had already been around for twenty, thirty, forty, fifty years, and so they already were old. And so everything had that like lived in used look. True. It just looks so great. We talked about it a little bit in like Bull Durham and just a few of the movies we've done over the time of this podcast. But yeah, right. the exterior looks cool. The interior looks cool. It's a place that would like never exist anymore. When Buck is showing Maisie how to bowl, this guy named Pal comes up and hits on Tia. And I mean, he says some pretty creepy shit. He's like, you look firm. Yeah, that's pretty wild especially considering she's supposed to be 15 uh this guy is a super creep yeah and he's i love how like he's kind of got like the black eye and like the busted lip yeah you got like beat up yeah like I, it's kind of an interesting just like a character like thing. a thing like, to just throw in there yeah, like this guy's just like a bum who's like around who gets into like fights and gets beat but up but then and you stuff. just like find out that he's just like friends with buck basically well 
Buck knows him. Yeah, because okay, as soon right. as he sees him sitting there, Buck gets like that death look in his face. He's like, like, uh-oh. Get away from her. How you doing? I've never seen you here before. I know about everybody. That's why they call me pal. Buy a beer? You must be a college student, right? Cheerleader, probably. You look firm. You like all-terrain vehicles? You got a brand new Bronco right out in the parking lot. Red. Wanna go for a ride? Lazy, if the object of the game were to get the ball as close to the pins without knocking any of them over, you would be champion of the world. Really? Got a cure for that. Buck. You got a game going somewhere, pal? Yeah. Yeah, well, you're not going to get any strikes sitting there, are you? Move it. Go on. Get out. They run in the same circle, it seems like, a little bit, maybe. For sure. I guess this bowling alley. Everyone in this bowling alley is just part of the same circle. Well, yeah, because then Raj comes over, who is Raj, a friend of Buck's, yeah. and me- he mentions Shanice in front of Tia, which, of course, this will provide her with some ammunition yeah. for later. Gets he- the wheel spinning. He also mentions a tip is coming in on a future race, and he's telling Buck that this will make his whole year. So, of course, this comes up later as well. Right. Now, this guy playing Raj, his name is Brian Tarantina. And he basically acted up until the day he died, which was earlier this month. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, the only reason I know that is because I saw some news stories like on Twitter and stuff like, oh, this guy from Fab, uh, what is it? Fabulous Mrs. Maisel. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Whatever the, I know it's Mrs. Maisel, whatever, Fabulous, Um, whatever. He's on that show and he was like kind of a shock death. I mean, he wasn't that old. Oh, he's not? How old do you think he is in 1989? I mean, he was probably Uh. like. He looks a little rough around the edges. He's probably like 30, so he's okay. probably about like 60 now. All right. I mean, he was like not that old, and he just sure. died recently. Anyway, <laughs> sorry to bring everybody down. <laughs> Everyone in this movie is basically dead. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so after the bowling alley scene, which at this point I'm still kind of willing to buy this all as like one coherent narrative. Like, okay, I'm getting point A to point B to point C. After this... But they do just, like, throw random things in there. Like, just this idea that's just like, okay, we're going to go to this bowling alley that I right. hang out with. I'll grant The bowling oh, alley is, like, the hang first out at. real, yeah. like, random thing. But it's still even kind when of connects. Leaving, I'm thinking they're going, like, local suburb bowling alley. Not, like, back to Buck's stomping grounds, you know? Well, this is what he knows. That's right. He needs to put in appearances. The rest of this, though, for a while becomes, like, a series of vignettes... Like I said, I mean, they're mostly all funny, and they're definitely charming, and the characters win you over, because you have the little kids being funny and cute, and you have Buck being funny, and you're kind of, like, buying into this whole, like, Tia Rebellion character. You're like, okay, I get it. Tia's She doesn't understand that her boyfriend just wants to get her into the back seat, and that's it. Yeah. Wake up! (laughs) (laughs) You stupid idiot. Yeah. But you know you're okay, you're like okay, but then it just becomes like all right. Well, then randomly it's Miles's birthday, and Buck makes those giant pancakes, and that's funny. It's like just a visual gag, and then it cuts to he's having a party, 
and this clown shows up named Pooter the Clown. Okay. Yes. And the clown is drunk because he had come off this of a kind bachelorette of party. A shocking moment to have in the movie, too. <laughs> I'm Pooter the Clown. Put it there. We are high. Kids will love that. I didn't order you. My sister-in-law uh, did. She's not here right uh, now. I'm looking after the... I'm the uncle. Uh, yeah. Buck Russell's the name. All right, great. Listen, I'm sorry I'm uh, late. Uh, I was at this all-night bachelorette party. Hey, you need any dildo jokes? <laughs> I'm the guy. <laughs> what, did you, what did you have? A few drinks this morning? Huh? I, I think you did, didn't you? What are you, Mother Cabrini? You never touch this stuff? No, 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 but I, I, I wouldn't be drinking if I was going to entertain some kids. Hey, I don't have to take any shit from you. You know who I am? In the field of local live home entertainment. Oh, my God! Get in your mouse and get out of here. Hey, you, uh, let me tell you something, you low-life lying, four-flushing sack of shit. <laughs> It's, it's very random. Yeah. Because you're like, well, wait, is Miles' birthday party just on a weekday? Like, what is, I don't know what's it happening. It feels like in the middle of the day, too. Yeah, so it might be a weekend. I don't know. You you lose all sense of time. Sure. It's basically like they came up with ideas, and then they just wanted to throw them in. So he makes the giant pancakes in the morning. Then that's like a funny visual. Then the clown shows up later when there's other kids around, and the clown is drunk. And it turns into, like, a really hilarious moment when Buck gets, like, serious. And he's, like, because <laughs> the clown shows up in that car, like a Volkswagen bug that's been decorated as a mouse. Yeah. And he's, like, get back in your mouse. <laughs> <laughs> in that serious voice. Wait, that's, like, other than the not, like, the part about gnawing the mole off the woman's face. And he just straight up the decks get in the your clown, mouse. Right? Yeah. A couple times, maybe. Punches out the clown. Again, not great sound effects, I feel like. Well, the clown sequence in general is the perfect example of something that works comedically because it's kind of funny, but feels disjointed and unfinished and, like and it doesn't unresolved. Fit into the movie. Yeah. Because you're like, okay, you have a bunch of kids sitting around. Uncle Buck's like, okay, the clown's here. One of the kids is like, oh, God, a clown. We're too old for that. And he's like, you don't like clowns? He's like, yeah, maybe like five years ago or something, even though the kids are like, six years old and it cuts to miles looking sad that his party's gonna be like lame oh right yeah. never comes back to that it just goes outside and then he punches the clown out end of sequence never mentions his birthday again we don't know it's like the next day or what you know it just moves on to the next thing that's what i mean like a lot of these little jokes now start to feel like they're setting something up and then there's just like okay it's funny but then it just there's no resolution to it it doesn't really mean anything we're just yeah. moving on to the next moment because this then transitions into a scene at night with Bug and Tia out at something, some gathering know, of teens. Like a pavilion somewhere. Yeah, it's like, like kind of like of a woods. park. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I guess a lot of places probably have parks like this, but I'm reminded of like North Park or South Park sure. right here that have like those little right. pavilions. People or rent them out for like whatever, picnics like, or graduation right. parties or whatever. So they're out in the middle of the woods. Bug is desperate to get her into a car to make a move <laughs> really uh one track minded bug you know she's kind of like fighting him off but she doesn't really want to go home because i love how such a high school boy's reaction of like well she's saying no and he's like well i guess i'll take you home then and she's like well i don't want to go <laughs> it's like the only options 
<laughs> like, yeah. well, why can't we just stay out here and enjoy what we're doing with and, like, all these people? Hang out. And it's like, well, <laughs> I'm not really interested in hanging out, as yeah. they call it. <laughs> what? And we have to listen to you talk? Yeah, come honey. On. <laughs> Pretend that you're interesting. T is given the slip to Buck saying she was going to, quote, a cheerleader's house for dinner, which we learned this from the conversation between Buck, Maisie, and Miles in the car. And I'm just like, what does that even mean? What a generic excuse. (laughs) This scene makes zero sense. I don't understand it at all. It's one of those things when you're watching it, you just kind of accept it without thinking about it. But if you think about it for two seconds, you're like, how do they know where they are? I didn't get to see How does he find them? Well, and I was thinking that maybe I missed something later and you were going to call me out on this. But when he goes to the party later. That is more explained than okay. this. He talks to people. He, he, he asks questions. He talks to somebody else, and he finds out where the party is. There's gotcha. a little moment there. But this, there's no scene. He's just all of a sudden, it cuts from him punching a clown out at a party to driving around, at night. finding them at this yeah. place in the park. It does seem nuts that he would be able to track this down. This is when he makes her come with them, like come home, and he's doing the whole thing with the hatchet. Yes. Which is kind of funny. Do you know what a hatchet is? A small axe. <laughs> and she's like, oh, he's bluffing or whatever. Because, like, Bug I is, do, like, yeah, getting she... mad. And then he, like, he's opening the trunk and he's, like, holding up a hatchet. <laughs> <laughs> I do love that Tia is just, like, so ready to, like, call Uncle Buck's bluff, though, on everything. Yeah. She's really just, like, trying to push the limits. Yeah, I mean, pretty early on, there's a phone call where their mom calls and talks to buck but before buck gets on the phone tia gets on and is like basically making him sound like he's terrible like he's drinking and oh, yeah. he's a total right. joke and blah blah, blah. And you, <laughs> we already like, know yeah that, i know that <laughs> yeah we already know how mom feels so that's actually like a really odd scene because then she's talking to buck oh and yeah she's like crying but buck isn't i guess hearing that and he's just acting like it's a normal conversation <laughs> that scene is so weird well, he's oblivious the next scene is the scene with Maisie's assistant principal, which, of course, makes no sense that Buck would go into this meeting. I know. There's no world where this would happen, and yet it's probably the best scene in the movie. It's definitely the most well-known scene because it's super funny. Again, it, it just sort of feels mean to this principal who doesn't seem like she deserves it. Well, she does say like some kind of crazy oh, shit. Okay. And this school is like insane, and another little john hughes touch of us something that doesn't make any sense is when they they're intercutting the thing with buck and the assistant principal with Maisie in her class and then sure, Maisie yeah. says like goddamn washing machine and then the teacher's like blasphemer <laughs> and it's just like so weird yeah. and random it's like what movie is this and that's never explained either and that feels like kind of like just some random little throw-in thing. i don't know it is just such a bizarre movie all of this stuff just seems so slapped together. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine that since you hadn't seen it ever, then yeah, this being the introduction to the movie has got to be kind of strange at this age. Yeah. I mean, when you see this movie as a kid, none of these much. things occur to you. Right. You would never this question Buck sense. finding Tia yeah. in the woods. You're like, yeah, of, of course. course. It's just the next She's scene. a teenage girl. She's in the woods with Bug. No, it's just whatever the next right. scene is, is yeah. the next scene. Exactly. Why yeah. would you question it? I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> This is a documentary. <laughs> this is real. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, basically the principal is concerned about Maisie being too much of a silly heart and a dreamer and not taking her career as a student seriously. 
and Buck, of course, can't get off of the mole on her face, <laughs> and then flips out. It yeah. gives like a pretty great speech, and then ends it with, "Here's a quarter. Go downtown and have a rat gnaw that thing off your face." Yeah, which is a pretty wild thing to say to someone. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. Well, clearly, it's a fake thing. Sure, on the woman's yeah. face. Uh, T- but what a weird expression, though. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a quarter. You're gonna pay the rat. Yeah, quarter? I've, even as a kid, I, like, I remember thinking, like, well, who gets the quarter, the rat? <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Okay. Sometimes the logic of a great line doesn't matter. Like, yeah, that's If true. you actually yeah. said that to someone who was being a bitch who had something on their face, do you think that person yeah. is going to worry about the logic? They're devastated. Right. Their life is ruined. Yeah, and I'd be, like, high-fiving the person who said it. <laughs> I love how they show that kid who's waiting to go see her the principal and her, his little reactions to everything that buck's saying you know yeah i know I that mean, whole moment whole where buck's like, like i'm gonna give you some more time to calm down i'll go in first <laughs> and the kid's just like what the kid's like six years old <laughs> i do like uh buck just like stumbling through this stuff like trying to like come up with like what he's gonna say to her and it just keeps spinning like so off course like Molly. in a way that doesn't make a Molly's wart <laughs> they call me old melanoma head <laughs> it just like yeah, it doesn't, doesn't even make sense. sense it just keeps going for it's like digging a hole it's just like <laughs> yeah and then <laughs> but like why you would keep just going like off the rails even further <laughs> And then the genius of these movies is, of course, the person he's saying it to just no-sells it. Like, if somebody starts, you'd be like, what the fuck is happening? Melanoma head? (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, it's getting late. Tia exacts revenge on Buck for meddling in her relationship with Bug. Yeah. When Shanice calls the house, seemingly ready to forgive him for ducking out on that job. Yeah, she's like, oh, Uncle Buck? Yeah, he's off busy fucking the neighbor chick. Yeah, she tells Shanice that Buck is out with Marcy, the neighbor, and insinuates that it's a regular thing. Of course, meaning like a sexual thing, I guess. sex. The next morning, Shanice arrives to confront Buck conveniently at the exact same time that Marcy has come over again and sure. forces Buck to As dance with her for some reason. Yeah. Again, just one of those things in a Marcy movie seems... where you're like, this seems like weird timing that this is all happening at yeah. once. But Do you okay. feel like Marcy's a little lonely, though? Yeah, and it seems like she's got a little bit of a thing for Buck. Why wouldn't you have one? Body like that? Yeah, women just fighting over <laughs> Buck in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> The misunderstanding leads to a big argument and ultimately, I guess, them breaking up and Shanice leaving him. Sure. And he seems unable to As fix this situation. Later that night, Tia tells Buck that she caused the issue with Shanice. Yeah, like she's basically like, it sucks to have someone fuck with your life or whatever, right? Yeah. She says fuck in yeah. a PG movie. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, quote. she basically just throws it in his face. And he'd, it'd be funny if he just like walked in and punched her and started strangling her. I mean, she would it thought be that, that she, out of place in this I mean, movie? she thought that he was going to shave her head. That's like, true. All of he a sudden, a she's unhinged. got the balls to pull yeah. a move like this. <laughs> After everyone's asleep, Buck reassesses his life. People used to say to me, Oh, I Buck, you are one lucky son of a bitch. <laughs> you got it made, Buck. You got it made. And I did. I did. They'd say, Oh, man, Buck. Look, you don't have any kids, you don't have any wife, you don't have a 
desk. <laughs> you don't have an office. You don't have, you don't have a boss to worry about. <laughs> oh, they were right. I had a maid. Only thing now is purse. Nobody says that anymore. Oh boy. But it'll all be better tomorrow. Always is. Tomorrow, we go to the track. Win some dough. Some serious dough. Yeah, make a lot of money tomorrow, kiddo. This is he, he. You know, he gives that speech to himself and the dog. You know, you got it made, Buck. And he says that that's what people used to say to him, and then not so much. So now he's thinking uh, yeah. like maybe he had a great with Shanice, and he blew it by not marrying her in time. In time. Well, he thinks that they're broken up. That's true. Like you know, it's over. He had eight years. I know. Yeah, it's kind of a crazy thing that they they were dating for eight years and. Not even. one day Shanice just woke up and was just like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> I am working at a tire shop. I own a tire <laughs> shop. I don't even know how this happened. <laughs> it's the big final weekend, which I, I don't know if the characters are even aware that the parents are going to come back after this weekend or what, but it seems to all be building towards this. Tia dodges Buck when he comes to pick her up at school, and then she sneaks off with Bug to a party, and she tells Miles and Maisie that she won't be back until Sunday, and it's Friday. Wow. <laughs> and weekend. I love when Miles is like, you know what that means? And Maisie's like, jumbo party. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I can't These, stress enough kids, how adorable right. they are. Just they the have things a ball. they're saying. They have a fun with everything they do. They're so precocious and... Just yucking it up. Making faces. That's right. Because this is when Buck's like panicking, because... Tia had promised Buck that she would watch Miles and Maisie that night because this is when the tip from Raj from the bowling alley is coming in. This is Buck's whole year. He's got to go to the track and make this bet. So he's at first he loads the kids up into the car. Yeah. And he's just going off and he's talking and talking and he's asking them questions. And, of course, Maisie's just repeating things that Tia said. And just the faces that Maisie's making during this whole thing with with Buck flipping out. and just, It's so funny. And he's yeah. like, all right, out of the car. So wait, is this Saturday now? No, this is Friday. Still Friday. Okay, but it's like daytime still. Like, yeah, it's supposed it to be like, like after daylight. school. Okay. Because he went to go pick her up at school when she was gone. Because she came home yes, early. that's right. And then that's when she tells Miles and Maisie what she's doing, and she runs off with Bug. He comes back from the school. He finds out from them what happened. He, at first, is like, oh, fuck. And then he's like, well, I got to go do this thing. I got to make this bet so you guys are coming. And then he thinks better of it especially when he finds out that tia told them that she's not coming back till sunday and he's like oh fuck sure yeah he calls shanice and convinces her that despite their problems he needs her help so she's gonna come watch miles and Maisie. this is one of those things that always bothers me in movies especially situations like this because he's he ends this by saying for what it's worth i'm sorry and that's it and i'm like really you wouldn't say, I never did anything with the neighbor. Yeah, I think I need to set the record straight Tia on a couple of these accusations. made this up out of anger. Like, yeah. I want to clear this up. Like, because for saying, just saying talk. for what it's worth, I'm sorry, implies that 
he did this. Like, he actually cheated on her with... Well, sometimes you should just let, like, the legend sit out there, you know? <laughs> My name is Buck, and I like to fuck. That's right. <laughs> Shanice, you know how I am. Come on. Everybody needs a piece of this. That's right. This time, I even made a special note. So this. Oh, wow, okay. This Good. time we get a scene of Buck asking around about a party... I mean, he just basically is talking to these parents that are driving around. I don't even oh, know how they stop each around, other. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Unlike before when he just magically found her at that park in the woods. The timing of this is weird because then we have a scene of Shanice showing up at the house to watch the kids. So yeah, he, he had to just call in a left favor. them there in the meantime? Right. I guess, What if yeah. she got into a car accident and couldn't make it? Well, the so kids would have been on their own. By themselves. Yep. We have that home alone moment that I referenced with the mail slot where... Miles is sitting at the at the door. Shanice is knocking on it. He opens the mail slot to look. That's when she moves to look in the window. He doesn't see anyone. It keeps happening over and over. Oh, yeah. Did you see the three men, or did you miss it? I missed it. He opens the mail slot the one time, and there's three men just there. Oh. With their okay. faces right up against it. And he's like, <gasps> and shuts it. And then he opens it again, and they're gone. Oh, wow. And people have like been like, well, what is that? And it's like, well, I guess it's supposed to just be like his imagination. Okay. Because they're just they're, they're not like specific people. They don't even yeah. look menacing. They're just three men. The like, wet bandits. Yeah, and it is kind of like, is this like a little bit of a precursor yeah. to that? There's a lot of like similarities in how this scene works with how stuff happens in Home Alone. It's just a weird little another weird little moment, just like the blasphemer thing and just like the heartbeat thing and all that stuff. It's just like. I don't know. It's it's one of those weird little nuggets. Just have these that three is guys strange. Now I want to go back and watch that part. I guess I just wasn't paying attention. Eventually, he lets Shanice in after he's like, "Can I see your license?" And she like, "I was like, yes, okay. I remember this clearly." And she takes yeah. the thing out, and he's like, "Could you take it out of that?" Uh, and she's just yeah. like, "What? Take it out?" So Buck finds the party as he's like getting to the house. He's parking. He's going working his way through the party. We're yeah, wild party going off with Bug in. A bedroom yes, with who we believe very, is Tia. I, I'm going to say it. Rapey. Super rapey. Yeah. She flat out is like, stop, no. But like her He's voice like, is like very soft because obviously they don't want there to be a reveal. Sure. So that you can't really tell from the voice because you never see the person's face or anything. By the time Buck works his way through the party and into the room, with he opens the, the door by like drilling through the door. <laughs> yeah, this is like kind of the climax of the movie, I feel like. Yeah, it's supposed to kind of be like, I guess, a horror movie parody, almost like Slumber Party Massacre, which uses like a big drill like that, or like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, like just a big thing. It's like drilling through the door. It's like building up suspense. Yeah, it's, it's kind of exciting. shot like I a love, slasher. I um, Bugs, just like testosterone. I mean, it's just like. You come through that door, I'm going to kick your fucking ass, you know. <laughs> Again, dropping well. F-bombs in a PG movie. <laughs> and then the drill is like, oh, fuck. <laughs> but, he, I mean, I will say, you know. Oh, but Bug does back down once that door opens up. <laughs> well, I mean, Buck it's is the like. the biggest man that's ever existed. <laughs> I love how throughout this podcast, John Candy's just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. Now he's the biggest man that ever existed. But yeah, I mean, pretty much. And then that's when the girl sits up and it's not Tia. And you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, wasn't expecting that. It's kind of like a double thing where you're like, you're happy that it's not Tia, but you're also kind of like, Jesus, like a low blow. (laughs) Yeah. But also like, now where's Tia? Again, yeah, pretty convenient that he just finds her wandering the streets, (laughs) (laughs) just walking by herself. And it does lead you to question like, what 
did happen. Yeah, because she's just kind of like... She's definitely out on Bug now. Okay, before we even do this... Okay. I do want to point out, because we've given her a lot of shit for her hats and for her being a bitch to her mom and just kind of being hard to deal with. The typical teenage stuff. Sure. I love what she's wearing in this scene, even though it does include another hat. She loves hats. That's just a given. True. She can she accessorize. She is literally the coolest 15-year-old girl of all time. Wow. I mean, what, this stuff Tough that she wears is out like there. cooler than anything I've ever owned. I don't know if I'm ready to say coolest, but yeah, definitely all-time top five. Fifteen <laughs> year old yeah, no, chicks. Right. Yeah. Enters the top five. You were only familiar with Jean Louisa Kelly from Yes Dear, but now you're seeing yeah, that there's a whole I career. Even, I was I'm only now familiar with her from that since you told me at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> well, you said you watched Yes Dear, so I mean you obviously you didn't know her name, but you sure. said, you there was a person That's that right. you saw. Yeah. <laughs> Tearfully she says, You were right, everything you said would happen happened. Which is a hard thing to admit. Again, I, uh, this movie doesn't feel complete because he never actually said anything was going to happen. <laughs> what was he so right about? I mean, the, we that get bugs the a douche. Well, we, yeah, I mean, we get the implication, but I mean, he never really said much that we saw that was like specific. Sure, it's a lot of like jump to conclusions in this movie. Like every scene is kind of like you get it. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. like kind of how it's written. Yeah. Like you, you understand, right? So this you is kind of like a wild turn. For I her, really wasn't yeah, like an abrupt. This. All of a sudden, they're best friends. Like everything's yeah. fine. Yeah, it is and kind then, of so. There's that, convenient. and then the next part of what's in the trunk. Oof. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, you had never seen this movie before. For me, it was like a, a holiday classic in the same vein. Yeah. As a Home Alone, I thought it would be a fun Thanksgiving style movie to do. Right. Just because I don't have that same relationship with planes, trains, and automobiles, which is like the usual go-to yeah. one. I love John Candy though, so I'm like, okay, I'll I'll, I'll ride with Uncle Buck, a, a big time movie from my childhood. We've kind of picked it apart a little bit, although I'll say I laughed a lot. Okay, watching it, I, I had some laughs as well. I think it's very funny. I think, as I said, I was confused at times. The too. little kids are cute. I've seen it enough to know. Like yeah. I'm not confused sure. by it, but like I can see where it's like the seams are not connecting. It's like okay. Having said all that, I guess it, uh, we're a little rough on it, but overall shock around overall, like lack of plot devices. Overall, I like it. Yeah. A little rough on it, but now, yeah. This part is terrible. Okay. <laughs> this is just it it's cringe city. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't fit with the movie. Well, I mean, I guess it kind of fits with the movie because it does get goofy at times. But even Tia, like, holding the drill up and, like, making a face. Yeah. Like, Here's what I don't get. Don't you think she would still be embarrassed? Absolutely. Be doing what shit like actually this? happened between Bug and Tia? He tried to go for it, and she fought him off, I guess. I guess harder than that other girl was. Okay. To the point where he was like, fuck it then. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean... Or do you think? Are you saying you think he had sex with her and then was already moving on to someone else? I can't tell. I can't tell if they're saying that he needs to apologize to Tia because he basically like just went with this other chick, or that he did try to force himself. I both. Can't I'm thinking both. Both. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Bug is a scumbag and is deserving of this treatment. But I, if I was Buck, I would have been like, "Oh, Tia's not here. I don't think I need to do anything to Bug then." Yeah, so Tia gets in the car. <laughs> Everything seems like fine. They're making up. She says, you know, the stuff, and then 
what did you do to him? And he's like kind of plays coy. And then she she gets very childlike all of a sudden when oh, she's yeah. had she's that gleeful. demeanor. Because then she's like, what did you do? <laughs> it's very out of character. And you're like, okay, she seems very happy all of a sudden. And so then they cut to them like pulled over. And yes, Bug is like tied up in the trunk. I can't even, like, say it. It's so stupid. He's gagged. They remove the gag, and he's like, I'm sorry. He's like, you have to apologize. Like, oh, I'm sorry. That is kind of funny, like, yeah. him, like, really going for it in that scene. But then, like, he gets out of the trunk, and then I was, like, reading this on Wikipedia as I was, like, doing the notes, and I had just watched the movie, and I'm like, he doesn't. What are they talking about? I'm like, he doesn't hit golf balls at him. Look up at the screen. Yep. Yeah. Bug is running away. He's hitting Getting golf hit balls. I'm head. like, oh, CTE. God. I forgot this. I don't even want to get to it. It's too embarrassing. Sure. It's just not good. Move on. And it goes on a little too long, too. Probably. I do love when they're driving and he's like, I could really use your help vis a vis Shanice. <laughs> and I was like, vis a vis Shanice is now the name of my upcoming solo acoustic album <laughs> coming out in March good, yeah. of 2020. Vis a vis Shanice. <laughs> Back at home, Tia helps Buck reconcile with Shanice by admitting her lie and tells Shanice that Buck would be a great husband and father. Yeah, it goes on a little long here. Eh, I think it's okay. Okay. I mean, compared to the bug sequence, I mean, this is fine. Buck also agrees to start his job at the garage. I mean, it is true. I mean, Buck gets along so well with Maisie and Miles and, and Tia tells Shanice, like, oh, my brother and sister adore him. And that's true. And all of a sudden, Tia is just like this completely changed person. I mean, is it really earned? We don't even see the moment that changes her. All of a sudden, she's just walking the streets crying, and we're like, okay. Oh, true. But okay. Buck and Shanice play mom and dad to the kids, put everyone to sleep, put everyone to They choke them all out. <laughs> and then the next day, Bob and Cindy return from Indy, and another incomplete moment happens because buck then is acknowledging slash setting up the tia reconciliation with her mom which is kind of how like the big emotional moment before the last emotional moment which is the freeze frame on buck that's true it's just like tia and her mom are hugging and you're like oh this is what the movie was about yeah it makes sense and i get and, and it's played well by the mom where she's like surprised yeah and you're like okay i oh, the scene now works <laughs> But getting to the scene never really made any sense. Like, how does Buck even know that this is something that has to happen? <laughs> he's just like, <laughs> and he's, he's telling to be the catalyst for it. Well, he's telling like Maisie and Miles to be quiet. You know, he's like doing the they whole like, zip the thing. Yeah. And of course, that's funny because then you're seeing like Macaulay Culkin and Gabby Hoffman like imitating him, like doing the zip and the button and the throw away the key and the lock and the whole thing. Right, you're right. like, oh, that's kind of cute. And you forget that, like, oh, this doesn't actually make any sense what's <laughs> happening. And then, of course, he knocks over all those pots that are hanging above the counter in the kitchen. And he's just like, shit. Yeah, too many knickknacks in the house. And it ends in with an incredible, iconic 80s freeze frame moment of. Buck and Shanice leaving. The rest of the family goes in the house. Tia's the last one. What are your thoughts on a freeze frame? For this movie, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> a it, well it, utilized frame. Not appropriate frame. all the time. No, no. Certainly not. You know not. what movie had a freeze frame that I heard was like hilariously odd? Was that movie that Eastwood directed about the guy that landed in the Hudson Sully? Oh, really? It was like an 80s sitcom ending that just froze freeze frame where Aaron Eckhart is like the co pilot. And he's like, okay, well, the last question they ask him is like, well, would you do anything different? He's like, 
well, I would have done it in July. And then, like, you know, Sully, played by Tom Hanks, like, looks at him like, oh, you. And they're all like, ha, ha, ha. And then it freeze frames, and that's the end of the movie. Oh, wow, that's awesome. It's a movie about a pilot. That makes a, me want to watch pilot. Sully now. Yeah, it's I had, like, like, no interest so in that insane. movie before. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, freeze frame on Uncle Buck, it's a great freeze frame. Yeah. Makes you sad that we don't have John Candy anymore. Sure. I love the ending. I, it is a missed. movie about Buck and Tia in the end. And yeah. I think like. And the special type of relationship that exists between uncles and nieces. <laughs> wow. I mean, it, if people were putting money on which of the two of us was going to take this right into I the gutter. I wasn't implying anything by that. <laughs> He's um, looking out for it. He's like yeah. uh, a protector. No, it's very sweet. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So I hope all of our listeners have a very happy Thanksgiving. Yes, thank you. Um, thanks. We're thankful for our listeners. That's absolutely. what we're thankful yeah, for. Yeah, and listen, you know, the show's doing better than ever. We can't believe it. We're stunned. We're back. Yeah. Better than ever. Two episodes this week. That's how much we love you. That's right. And it was a long stretch uh, getting through the recording. but. Uh, I think <laughs> well, we needed to take... <laughs> we yeah. had to have a whole intermission that went on forever. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Is that it for Uncle Buck? I think. I think so, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, R.I.P. John Hughes. I think. R.I.P. John Candy. And John Candy. I think we will be probably doing another John Hughes movie, you know, not that long from now if we stick to the schedule I have mapped out. I think. Which sometimes we do. We're ramping it up now. We're getting serious with the picks. Okay. Do we time, like, do, um, we're leaving too many on the table with some of these great directors. That's true. I mean, we've only yeah. done one Scorsese movie at this point. It's like Nuts. We're t- it's time to get serious with some of. These. Yeah, we really got to start taking this show seriously. <laughs> Meanwhile, like the next episode will be like uh, some fucking stupid yeah. bullshit. <laughs> People will be like, "What? <laughs> what are you doing? What? What? Vincent stopped making picks. Well, how am I going to know what movies to see? We have a wide variety of gene picks. Gene's trash. I'm Gene. Should we do our recommendations yeah. for this week? You want to go first? Sure. Just watched for the first time ever. Loved it. Classic movie. Uncle Buck. Yeah, well, that, yeah, that too. Last few weeks has certainly been an iconic time period for my life because I saw Uncle Buck for the first time, but also In the Heat of the Night. Loved it. I, I think that's an awesome movie. It's one of my favorite criterions that I've I've watched as I look over and I see it sitting on your... Uh, stack. Do we think that it's streaming anywhere, or is this just something? Uh, I think this might just have to be a Blu-ray. <laughs> it might be on Criterion Channel. Who available would for rent on Prime? Probably. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, but, yeah, I'm sure most of the things we say, even if it's only on Blu-ray sure. to us, I mean, you could still rent it. Probably plenty of places. It's just, I mean, I, it's a classic movie. I, I had never seen it, but just an awesome one. There's just so many great moments in it, and like just the uh, uh, the main dude or whatever is just so great. They call me Mr. Tibbs. <laughs> I just I, I want to reiterate so. how shocking it is that you've never seen Uncle Buck. Yeah, I feel like that would be like saying that you've never seen The Rescuers Down Under, <laughs> Jurassic Park. Yeah, <laughs> even though Jurassic Park made hundreds of millions of dollars, it was like this huge movie. I guess it's not really the same. I don't know. I guess like that's just one of those things where. I guess every person has movies that are unique to their experience that they think are like a bigger deal than they might be for others. But I mean, I feel like a lot of people talk about Uncle Buck, but maybe they're all older. Well, you know, I never did like a John Hughes run at any point, like later in my life either, where I was like, oh, I'm going to watch all the John Hughes movies. I know what you mean, but like, I don't even feel like his 90s movies are part of the John Hughes 
lore, even okay. though this is 89, yeah. but you know what I mean? Like his family well, turn. Then I was too young when it came out. And like I said, I never came back to the stuff and it's not even part of that stuff anyway. So yeah, and it is a movie that if you like miss it when you're like under the age of 10, you, you get like progressively less interested. Like if you had an opportunity to watch it when you were like 15, you'd probably be like, well, who cares? You know what I mean? Like it's a movie that is probably appeals to like little kids and then sure. You know, adults will like it too, it but being a movie that they would play like on TV as much either. I don't know. Maybe who knows? I don't know. So right, my two recommendations have? are The Nightingale on Hulu. Oh yeah. Number one, Jennifer Kent's follow up to the Babadook. Yeah, I've been meaning to watch it since you told me about it. Uh although This is a very recent film. This yeah. came out at the like the end of the summer and I kept waiting for it to be released in the theaters around here because you know even if it was just like Squirrel Hill or something because I figure okay well the Babadook kind of caught on and was like this nice little indie horror hit yeah it was and you fun. think like the next step up would be like okay getting into like more theaters and stuff and I didn't really understand why and then all of a sudden it pops up on Hulu and then you know putting the movie on I had my answer as to why it was not in theaters Pretty quick. Number one, two and a half hours. Number two takes place in the 1800s in Tasmania. <laughs> Number three, historical epic, not a horror movie, really. So I mean, there's that, horrific things, but like, sure. if, you, if you're going to sell it on the idea of it's the follow-up to Babadook, it's not this, a horror movie. Those three things don't have people sold, then The movie is an intense revenge movie. epic. It's like... The Revenant crossed with I Spit on Your Grave. Oh, wow. Female lead? Yes. Does she get beat up by a bear? No. Okay. It's Okay, so the uh, the inciting incident is a thousand times worse than The Revenant. Wow. Like, it, it's the grimmest, most horrible thing ever. Like, the first half hour of this movie is very hard to watch, so... You know, if you if you if you're one of those people that needs a trigger warning, then this is that movie. Me. It's very intense, just horrifying. But then the elements, though, is no that part of it. The the journey, there are like aspects of that, but that's not really the same as like the Revenant. You know, okay, where gotcha. it's just like this endless thing of man versus nature or anything like that. But it's really good. I, again, similar to Parasite on the last episode, this is a movie that is in contention for my top ten of the year. No idea if it will end up there yet or not. Who knows? It's still way too early to tell. But I enjoyed it a lot, even though it was kind of hard at the beginning because it's so brutal. But it's very cathartic by the end, and you really kind of are invested in the whole thing. And there's a whole racial aspect to it, too, with the indigenous people in Tasmania because it's like British settlers in the area and like the army is in the, you know, it's just like okay, a Okay, it's all sounding very exciting. So The Nightingale is available to stream on Hulu right now. And my next would be The Mandalorian. Oh, yeah. Okay. The new Star Wars original to show. today. On Disney+. Plus. Spoiler alert, we might be talking about The Mandalorian on something future uh, yeah. for this podcast if Matt can get caught up on it. <laughs> Spoiler alert to girlfriend Lindsay, we're getting Disney+. Plus. <laughs> I would say Disney Plus is worth it alone for The Mandalorian because it's that good, in my opinion. I think it's the most... I'm not going to say it's my favorite Star Wars thing since the original trilogy, but it feels and looks the most like that. It just feels the most of that original trilogy world to me in a way that the okay. prequels and I'm the sequels that. and everything don't quite feel the same. 
Not that that's necessarily bad. And, you know, I tried to tweet about this earlier. I said something along the lines of, like, as someone who has enjoyed pretty much all of the Star Wars iterations, wow. this is still the most that feels like that. So it's not like I'm coming from it from like, oh, I hate The Last Jedi. I'm one of those people. I mean, I think people remember or give us a second about that. <laughs> yeah. Or I'm, I'm not even one of those people that gets really mad or bitter about the prequels, even though they're not really that good. But coming from it from that, I mean, I still am putting this up there as like, this is that good. Okay. And it's enjoyable. John Favreau is kind of the showrunner, the creator, kind of guiding this thing. And I don't really want to give too much away. But I, I would recommend getting Disney Plus just for that. Disney Plus is pretty cool, though, if you like Star Wars. They're going to have a lot of Star Wars content and a lot of Marvel content as it goes along. Okay. Plus, you get every episode of The Simpsons except for the one that Michael Jackson did a voice in. I guess they're not putting that one on Is that there. true? Yeah, I guess. Wow. But every other episode of The Simpsons ever, which is like 30 seasons worth of that show. Okay. <laughs> Very fun. Folks, We're excited. that's your Thanksgiving bonus episode. Uncle Buck, a new movie to Matt, which I didn't even know until we started recording. Yeah, it's shocking. Very exciting times. You see who's p- making the picks. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Matt hasn't even seen the movies we're doing. <laughs> yeah, that's where we're at. All right, so thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Her name is Noel. I have a dream about her. She rings my bell. Got gym class in half an hour. Oh, how she rocks in kids and tube socks. But she doesn't know who I am And she doesn't give a damn about me Cause I'm just a teenage dirtbag, baby I'm just a teenage dirtbag, baby Listen
walking over to me this must be fake my lips starts to shake how does she know who i am and why does she give a damn about me one is what it's been for the last few weeks perfect strangers yes <laughs> yeah i want to keep up this has become my favorite part of the show is reliving <laughs> my old favorite perfect strangers episodes i want to keep updating the audience and you on this yeah. journey i'm deep season six now yeah. i'm officially through five I'm are they six. living with the girls yet no okay but all right the show is it's gone it's <laughs> the show is gone uh it has jumped the shark so hard i can't believe <laughs> I can't believe there's not a term about perfect strangers that means jumping right. the shark. It well, has just all become wordplay jokes. Give me, give me the worst examples, please. I, I love so much that on Thanksgiving Day, you're watching deep season six I, episodes of Perfect Strangers. I put three in today. Okay. I put three in today. So Black Widow, <laughs> he's writing a piece about, a, about serial killers in Chicago. And he's looking through, like, city records and, like, the newspapers and things for information. Sees a picture of Marianne, Balky's girlfriend. She's apparently a serial killer, and, and he thinks Marianne is now a serial killer. She's been, a, she's been let off all, all four trials because they couldn't find a body. All right. Goes to Jennifer. He's like, this is Marianne. You're living with a serial killer. She's like, they don't even have the same name. It's insane. Larry's like... No, it's it, serial killers. Traditionally, they always use an alias, but they use their same initials. Right. I don't know if that's true. Uh, and then he's trying to convince Balky that she's a serial killer. Balky, of course, doesn't believe him. Uh, this is bumming me out. Yeah. Here's one of the jokes in it. Balky goes, oh, Larry. Oh, cousin Larry, now that you've solved the crime, the case of Marianne, the serial killer, why don't you go see if you can see who killed Laura Palmer? That's one of the jokes. That's like that's an end of act joke in this thing. Here's the climax. Woo. Balky's going camping with Marianne. Yeah. He's, he walks in the apartment with a hatchet. Larry goes, what are you doing with that hatchet? Balky goes, Marianne said she needed a new camping hatchet, so I bought her this. She said it would be nice and sharp. And Larry's like, thinks she, she's going to murder Balky. <laughs> and then goes to a mountain where they're camping, ties up Marianne. <laughs> attempts to save Balky. They get like stuck on a cliff. Pathetic. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! 
I mean, it's gone. That's pathetic. So the centerpiece of this episode ends up being Balky and Larry stuck on a cliff. And they need Marianne to help them. But Larry doesn't want the help because he thinks Marianne's going to kill them. And it's so obvious Woo. that a writer just was like, what if we had these guys stuck on a cliff? <laughs> it was right. like, okay, well, how do we get them to the cliff? <laughs> Well, remember you had that idea Woo. where he would think Marion was a serial killer? Well, now that's the one I want to watch. <laughs> More than anything else. There's your perfect strangers. 